I've had times in my life where circumstances actually sucked the life out of me. I mean, it took everything I had, and I struggled, you know, to be happy. You know, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, I, I didn't, you know, happiness seemed to be really hard to get hold of. I just couldn't find it. It, was, it wasn't, you know, wasn't there. And uh, I would imagine that everybody in here has faced that at, at some time in your life. Maybe you might be there today where happiness seems to elude you. You, you're, you just, you struggle, struggle to find it. Maybe it's taking everything you have just to function. You know, if, you know forget happiness, you're just trying to live. Um, and that, that could be you today. And I imagine that that description kind of describes where a guy named Paul was when he wrote uh, the book of Philippians. It's actually a letter. Um, this, this guy named Paul, he started a church. And if somewhere around, you know, 52 AD, you know, somewhere in that, that time period, he started this church in a place called Philippi, and that's where we get Philippians from. And um, about 10 to 12 years later, he wrote, wrote them a letter. And it's, obviously he wasn't there, so he wrote a letter that, that made it to them. And here's why he wasn't there. It's because he was under um, house arrest. He had been arrested, and, and it's quite likely, and, and actually very likely, that he was chained to a, a guard 24-7. So he, he wasn't necessarily in prison, prison, but yet he had no choices of his own. He you know, couldn't go to the bathroom by himself because he's chained, right, to somebody. Couldn't take a shower alone because he's chained. They didn't want him to get away. Um, he, he, he got told what, what to do, when, and how to do it. And so his life wasn't really the way he had dreamed of it being when he wrote this letter, the book of Philippians, to the people at the church that he started that he loved in a city called Philippi. All right, y'all got that? There'll be a test later. Um, he loved these people so much. And, and um, with all that in mind, let's just start. Okay, well, let's start at how he started his letter. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 is where we're going to begin. And here's what he said. I thank my God every time I remember you. He's writing this to the, the church that he started, right? In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, 10 to 12 years later, being confident of this, that he, talking about God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So this interests me. And what really interests me a lot about this passage of scripture today is how he started it. He started out by saying, I thank God every time I remember you. Now, had it been me that I'm chained to this guard and I don't have any choices and this is not how my life is supposed to be going, I might have started out a letter to some people that I loved and cared about, something more like, um, please help, send me a file so I can get away. <laughs> Let's have a prison break, you know. Um, but he didn't do that. He just started out, but hey, I'm so happy for you that, that I have you guys, and uh, I always pray with you with uh, pray for you with joy. It was like this guy is happy. I mean, if you read the letter, it, it's like he he was happy, but he was not going through things that should have made him happy. It was it was pretty rough. I mean, nobody in here is going through what Paul was going through right now or right then because you're here, and I don't see anybody chained to a guard today. But you might have been, and you might be. In other ways, but I think y'all understand what I'm saying. It's, it's just interesting. Um, he had none of his dreams coming true at the moment. 
But he started out with just this positive outlook in this letter. And it, it seems that he's happy despite what he's going through. But I, I think he's got more than happiness going on here. He's got, can y'all guess what it is? I think he's got joy. And, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, it's difficult to define. Joy is um, it's a little bit hard to give you a definition, but Ed and I came up with one, and we're going to give you our best shot here, okay? So here's our best shot at defining joy, and, and it's this. A positive state of mind that goes deeper than the emotions, though it is emotional, unaffected by circumstances, rooted in a strong belief in God's reliability. That's our best shot at defining joy for you. Um, I, and I, gotta th- I think it's pretty good. And, and, and that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, to get a better understanding of this joy and what we think Paul had when he wrote this book of the Bible, we're going to show you, contrast the difference between happiness and joy. But understand, going in, happiness, I, we think is good. I'm not against happiness. I'm not against being happy. I, I like being happy. Everybody in here, I think, likes being happy unless, uh, well, unless you're just messed up and, and then we, you might need some help. But happy is good, okay? So we know that, but we still want to show you the difference between happiness and joy. And the first one is this. The first thing is happiness is external. On the outside, joy is, you guessed it, internal. On the inside. That's a huge difference. You know, if... You know, happiness can be affected by anything on the outside. Uh, schizophrenic Texas weather can affect happiness, right? Put a jacket on in the morning, you, you got to, you know, you're, you're dripping sweat by the afternoon. And, and it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, it rains and does, y'all know, y'all live here, right? And mosquitoes, mosquitoes can affect happiness. <laughs> yeah, they can. Um, it's a great day until, oh, no, it rained. I ain't going over there. There's mosquitoes. Um, happiness can be affected by stuff on the outside. You know, when, when Paul wrote this, when Paul wrote Philippians, he had as many problems going on as anybody else. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a few things that have happened to him. Uh, he'd been stoned. Not, not recreationally speaking. No, he, he'd been actually stoned with stones. Okay? That's how they killed people back and that's how they put them to death he like they threw rocks at them until they were dead this happened to Paul he uh he was wasting away under somebody else's control externally on the outside he was in bad shape I know you're thinking well if they stoned him to death how he's how was he alive well it was God I mean there's a whole nother story behind that whole that whole deal but it was it was a bad thing um uh, he, he wasn't in great shape, but internally, he had something different happening. Something going on on the inside of him that allowed him to write this letter all about joy. Here, uh, uh, he even wrote about his troubles later in, in another letter he wrote to a church in, in Corinth to these people called the Corinthians. And here's what he said then, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. It's a lot of, to me, kind of fancy way of saying, hey, what, what we're going through doesn't really amount to much because God's got, there's a lot of bigger things, a lot of bigger things going on here. 
God's got a lot better things happening than our, our, own, little, our own little world. So, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but unseen is eternal. Um, I'll paraphrase for you. This, is, this would be my version. We don't have to go from life's disappointments to depression. We can go from whatever the disappointment, whatever the thing is that happens in life, but we can fall back or fall on God's joy for us no matter what. The, the title of today's you know, message, you know, joy no matter, no matter what. Um, Paul was actually saying, look, my troubles ain't nothing. They're nothing. No big deal. It's not, no, no big deal here. I'm, all this stuff has happened to me and probably some more stuff. And quite, quite frankly, he wasn't sure, but he, he was thinking he might be waiting to be put to death, to death again. And uh, he's like, eh, it's no big deal. No matter how bad your circumstances are, you can have joy. So the first difference is, is again, happiness is on the outside. Joy is on the inside. One, one big difference. Here's the second one. Happiness is based on circumstances. And, and um, uh, circumstances are, are luck. Circumstances, the, the root of circumstances is like circumference or circle. It's like this little circle that I'm, I'm living in right now. The, um, it's the circle I happen to be standing in at any given moment. That's my circumstance. Right, y'all, y'all got that. I mean, y'all are smart. You, you, you understand. Whatever's happening to me right now, that's the circumstance I'm in. Happiness is based on that, right? If your circumstance is good, it's easy to be happy. If your circumstance ain't so good, then you might not be happy. But joy is based on God, not that circle. And let's just be honest, no matter how big you think your circle is, it's really little, my circle is little, okay? You know, God's the one that, that has a better view of things, and he's saying, yeah, Chad, your circle is really not as big as you think. Yeah, but it feels big. Well, I know, but, you know, hang in there. If I focus only on my little circle, my outlook is gonna be based on what happens to me in there, okay? And, and don't, please don't, don't misunderstand me. You know, real things happen inside those circles, Life-altering things happen inside those circles, and that, that is true. And sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're not. But my joy in life doesn't have to be based on that circle. Here, if, you, you know, if you haven't been paying attention yet, hang on to this. Too often, people let things they can't control, control them. Too many times, we let our circumstances control us. And it's really not the way we should be living. Now, Paul had this figured out, and I think it's how he seems happy, but it's really more, it's joy that's making him seem happy uh, inside his own circle. He wrote another letter to, oh, I'm sorry, it's in the same letter to the Philippians, it's just later. It says this, uh, he wrote, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whatever's in my circle is gonna be all right. Whatever it is, and whatever covers a lot of stuff, you're going through whatever right now. Everybody goes through whatever. When I base my outlook on God, I can have joy no matter what. All right, are, y- are y'all still with me? So we've, we've, there, those are two differences. Outside and inside, one's based on the circle, one's based on God. Third one, happiness happens by chance. Can't control it. It's not up to you. 
Something happens to you and you're either happy or not. You can't stop stuff from happening. You can't control your entire world. It it doesn't work that way. You know this. Uh, We wish we could, but in reality, my world would be really messed up if I controlled it all. Because let's just face it, I'm not that smart. So happiness happens by by chance. But joy happens by, can y'all figure the next one? Choice. Joy happens by choice. It is up to you. Joy is up to you. Happiness isn't, but joy is. Check out what Moses said. Moses was a guy that led the children of Israel out of Egypt, okay? The, the, the prince of Egypt, the story of the Ten Commandments and, and Moses parting the Red Sea and, and all, of that, all of that, you know, what you found, you find it in Exodus, a lot of it. And this is that Moses, okay? He led, I don't even know the exact number, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, trying to get him to where God wanted him to go. Well, he messed up along the way. Moses made one crucial error at one point, and it cost him. As a matter of fact, he didn't get to go into what they called the promised land, where they were, they're traveling to, he didn't get to go. Uh, God was like, this is, this is gonna be as far as you can go. So Moses knew that the day was getting really close, that so he was gonna die, he was old. And so he gave a farewell speech to all these people that he'd been with for so many years and he loved them and he led them. So he was giving them like the best advice he could possibly give them. And here's what he says in that farewell speech. Deuteronomy 30, 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. He's like, okay, everybody, everybody's paying attention here. That I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Here's the big part. Now choose life. In his big farewell speech to these people, a main thing that he says to them is you need to choose. Choose life. Choose the way God wants you to go. Some of the best advice he ever gave was now choose life. We can't stop circumstances. They happen to us. It's not up to us. But joy happens by choice. We can choose our response. We can choose life. We can choose Joy, all right, all right, so y'all still with me? Okay, again, the test at the end. Um, moms, if y'all didn't get your cake balls, uh, remember to get those on your way out only if you pass this test, okay? I'm just kidding. Have as many as you want. Now, uh, I wanna read to you a story of a guy named Horatio Spafford. Does anybody know who Horatio is? Uh, okay, but you're cheating. You were here earlier. It, I got one. See, nobody in the first service knew. Who the heck is Horatio? I'm going to tell you. Horatio Spafford was a guy born in 1828, so you know, a few years ago, right? Here, here goes the story. He was a wealthy Chicago lawyer with a thriving legal practice, a beautiful home, a wife, four daughters, one son, and he was also a devout Christian and faithful student of the Bible. At the very height of the, his financial and professional success, so, I mean, he's flying high, Horatio and his wife, Anna, suffered the tragic loss of their young son. Shortly thereafter, on October 8, 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed almost every real estate investment that Spafford had. Two years later, um, he's you know, recovering from all that, and my guess is the hardest part is the loss of his son. Spafford scheduled a boat trip to Europe, so they're going to take a family vacation to Europe, uh, not, not on a boat like we would go on today, okay, but you know, 1800s. 
in order to give his wife and daughters a much-needed vacation and time to recover from the tragedy. At the last minute, a serious business matter kept, came up, and Horatio had to send his family ahead without him. Several days later, remember, there's no cell phones, no electron, you know, it, several days later, he received notice that the ship had encountered a collision. All four of his daughters drowned. Only his wife survived. Massive loss. I mean, I, I just can't even begin to imagine this. Well, with a heavy heart, Spafford boarded a boat that would take him to his grieving wife in England. And it was on this trip that when that ship got about to the same place where the other ship had sank, the, the, the captain stopped the boat. And, and he was doing it for Horatio, and Horatio took a moment just, you know, I mean, there's just loss. And it was on this ship and in that moment that Spafford wrote what are now uh, famous words, especially in uh, the, church, uh, the church world. And, and the words were this. When sorrow like sea billows roll, it is well, it is well with my soul. The, the song that we were singing this morning uh, it's an adapted version of what he wrote. There's an old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. This is where it came from. This is the story behind it. It was a man saying, my daughters are gone. You know, I've lost so, so much, but it is well. That blows my mind. It's not that he was happy about it, but he was able to say, I, I've, I'm gonna choose I'm going to choose that it's going to be okay. I believe he was choosing joy no matter what the circumstance was. I think that this is the same type of thing that Paul had when he prayed for the Philippians. And in the letter he wrote to them uh, here in chapter 1, verse 9. I'm going to skip some of it, so y'all just stick with me here. Uh, Philippians 1, he said, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Paul's praying for them and he said, look, I'm, this is what I pray for you guys, that you're gonna realize that you're gonna figure out that, that God, maybe even that God's gonna show you what's best for you. This guy Horatio, he's going across the ocean, you know, and his, this is where his daughters drown. Hey, had he been there and not take, made, maybe it was a selfish decision to um, not, not go with them. You know, maybe he could have left the business. To, I, I don't know what exactly was going through his mind, but you know, he, it was best for him to say, God, it's gonna be okay. I, it's gonna be all right. I, I'm gonna choose joy. It is well with my soul. The people Paul was writing to, I, I, I think that he was praying that God, that, that the people see things the way God sees them. That's one of my own personal prayers. God, help me to see things the way that you're seeing it. Help me to know what's best. Part of what's best is choosing, choosing joy. So the question comes up, how, how do we go about doing this then? It's easy to say, here's the differences and I should choose joy. Great. How do I actually do that? Because sometimes my circle seems pretty big and seems pretty strong. Well, here, I'm going to try to... Uh, I'm going to try to help today. Um, first, we stop asking why. All right, you know, probably a better way to say that is stop only asking 
why? And then you stop there, right? Uh, everybody's going to ask why. It's natural. Anybody ever said, why me? God, why me? Okay, everybody in here probably. Me too, I've done that. Um, so, but you can't stop there. Did you know you can die in your whys? If you stick there and that's all, you, you know why? You can die right there. It's over. Your life never goes forward. And it's mostly because you don't really get an answer. I'm about to give you one that, that should settle it all for you, okay? I'm about to settle the why question for everybody. Um, y'all should, maybe y'all should pay me for this because you won't ever have to ask why again. <laughs> Kidding. Um, but the truth is, even the answer I'm about to give you, it's usually not enough. But here, here's the answer, and it actually came from Jesus, not Chad. John chapter 16. John's quoting Jesus. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Here comes the answer to why. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. That's why. Why is this bad stuff? Why does it? Because in this world, you will have trouble. I'm sorry. Um, It's that way for me too. So that's why. Okay, so just there you go. And instead of just saying, you know, why, um, you, you don't stop there. We go on. We, we start asking, okay, well, what then? Okay, God, why did this happen? Okay, I get it. But so, so what, what? What are you doing now? What, what can I learn from what's going on? Not, necessar- not necessarily mean God did this to you, okay? It just means it's your circle. It's what's happening. What? can I learn from this? What good can come for this? So the, the second thing you do is start asking, all right, what then? What? Um, Paul, at the time of writing the letter to the Philippians, he was living with a bun- in a bunch of lemons, and out of it he made lemonade. lemonade. Yeah, I know, that was really corny, but it's what happened. And check out what he wrote in verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. Oh, let me, let me back this up. Uh, none of his dreams were coming true, by the way. Remember this? And he was supposed to be, in his mind, preaching to all kinds of people, but he's stuck chained to a guard, and he didn't get to be on stage. One, probably one of the best capable, best qualified to speak to people. He didn't get to do that. He's chained up. But he says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, and to everyone else, I'm in chains for Christ. And he goes on to say that people are getting even more and more brave sharing Jesus because of what's happened to me. So he's like, okay, God, I don't understand exactly why, but here's what good is coming of this. He was saying, I'm getting stuff done in the middle of my circle, getting stuff done in the middle of my circumstance. He had the same theme in a lot of his writings. Here's another one, Romans 8, 28. Again, Paul writing, he said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He's like, okay, look, I can't ask why anymore. I'm just gonna say, where's the good? Let me find the good. And not like, where's the good in this? Not, not that. It's like, okay, there's good in here. I'm gonna find it. That's kind of his attitude. And it, that reminds me of a, a, another story. There was a, about finding the good. That's what the story is about. There's a, a king, an African king, um, and he had this friend that grew up they grew up together, and this friend was like with him all the time. It was like his, you know, his right hand guy. It was his, it was his, but he also was his, you know, part of his entourage. He was his admin. He did everything for the king. But they, you know, they hung out. 
So they go on a hunting trip. And uh, the friend is the one responsible for taking care of the weapons and has the rifle and makes sure it's clean, loaded, you know, et cetera. You know, the kings didn't do much. He didn't have to, he didn't have to rack his own. He just handed him the rifle. There it is, you know, pull the trigger. Well, the, the friend gives him the weapon. The king lines up, the, the, lines up his target, pulls the trigger. Well, the, the, there was a, mis, uh, a uh, not necessarily a misfire, but there was an explosion. There, it, it, it messed up, and it blew out the side. And when, when, it, when the, it blew out the side of the weapon, it blew the king's thumb off. Now, the friend was a guy that always, like their whole lives, he would always say, ah, oh, it's good. Ah, oh, it is good. Anything would happen. This guy always, he was one of those people that like, was always positive, you know, that you hate. He was like, oh, no, nah, it's good. It'll be all right. It's good. Everything's good. That, and this guy said this all the time. Well, the king's thumb gets blown off and, you know, and you can imagine the, the scene and, and the, his friend's like, oh, this is good. And the king got so furious, he threw his friend in prison. All right, so fast forward a year. Friend's been in prison for a year and still there. And the king goes on another hunting trip. You know, of course, his thumb's gone. And, um, well, on this hunting trip, he gets captured by cannibals. And uh, they have the king tied to a stake. They're ready to, like, you know, fillet him up. And uh, they see that he's missing a thumb. And these cannibals were um, superstitious. And so they wouldn't eat anything that wasn't whole. And they're like, oh, wait, and he'd be like, you know, it'd be like a curse. I don't, I don't, you know, whatever they thought. And so they let him go. Can't eat this guy. So the king makes, it back, makes his way back to the prison, you know, where his friend is. And he's like, dude, um, this is what happened. And I'm so sorry, you've been in prison for this whole year, you know, and prisons weren't great, you know, and, and it's been awful. And the friend said, I know, I've been, in, I've been in prison all this time, and you really shouldn't put me in here, but it's good. It's all good. It is good, king. And the king's like, how can you say this? You, I mean, look what I did to you. And it, was, you know, it wasn't even your fault. My thumb got blown off. And the guy said, well, king, it is good because if you hadn't thrown me in prison... I'd have been with you. And he had both his thumbs. <laughs> what good thing is God doing in the middle of your circumstance today? That's number two. Number three, what do we do? We refocus on what really matters. Um, when, when Paul was writing this letter to these people. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it in today's terms. There were people that had started churches with wrong motives. They were preaching and telling people you know, about Jesus, but they had a bad heart behind it. They were doing it to manipulate people. They were doing it with their own self-serving reasons. Uh, they really weren't doing it for good. And um, Paul's writing this letter and he's so, he has such a good grasp. Remember, he's in a horrible situation, but he's telling people about joy, and he, and he demonstrates something we should be doing, and that is focusing on what really matters. Here's what he said. It's true, Philippians 1.15, it's true that some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. He's like, hey, 
Some people are, are preaching Jesus, but they, you know, they're not doing it for the right reasons. And this is bad. We're going to skip a little bit, get to the part where he says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Paul says, all right, look, I know. People are doing some stuff they shouldn't be doing. They got wrong motives behind it. But who cares? He said, what really matters is that people are getting told about Jesus. Now, he didn't say what, you know, bad things people do is okay. That's not what he said. But he was saying, what's really mattering in the middle of this circumstance is God's still getting through to people. That's what I want to be, that's what I want to focus on, and that's what I want to be a part of. What really matters in my life and your life today, what really matters is this. It's kind of a question you might be able to ask. Are you traveling down the road God has made for you? That's what really matters. What other people say and do and whether your circumstance is happy or not, what really matters is, am I going down the road God has for me? And if you are, you can have that joy that we're talking about. And it make, it'll even make you seem happy when you shouldn't be. When life is like horrible, you can still be joyful. And, it can, and a lot of people are gonna say you're happy. If we do these things, if we you know, don't just ask why, but we actually stop the why and say, okay, God, what good, show me what good can happen out of this, no matter how bad, remember, thumbs, cannibals, okay? That's bad. But no matter how bad, no matter what it looks like, and some of us in here have gone through or are going through serious life-altering things, and I understand this. Even in that, we'll say, okay, God, show me what's good. And show me, help me focus on what really matters. If we do that, you can have ultimate joy. You can get to the place where Paul got when he said, coming to the end of this first chapter, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's like, my circumstance doesn't really matter. If I live, I get to keep going. If, if I die here, because remember, he, they're very likely gonna be putting him to death. That's all right. What really matters is Jesus is being preached. So what, what really matters in your life is, you know, what? what is, where is God taking you? You can have joy if you have this attitude and this outlook, no matter how unhappy your circumstances might be. Um, we can go there. When you know Jesus, when you know Christ, you're in a win-win uh, situation. And, and you may be here today and you may say, okay, look, I, I, I get it, you know, I understand the story. Ha ha, I thought your African thing was funny. I'm not so sure it's true, but I thought it was funny. Um, and I understand the Horatio Spafford guy, but God seems so far away. I don't, I don't think I could do that. I feel like, well, you can as a matter of fact, God can be close to you today. You can say, God, I need you in my life right here and right now. And it can happen easily because when we ask, he wants to reach out and help you. You can ask God to forgive you of where you've messed up, of your sins. You can ask him to fill your life with his presence, with his love, with, with the joy we're talking about. You can ask him, God, I need, I need you just to like be my best friend. They're the one I rely on for everything. God, I need you to lead my life. 
and, and you want it to happen now and you know, forever. You can, that can happen today. As a matter of fact, if you're there today, here in a second when we dismiss, we're gonna, we'll have people up here wait, waiting to pray for you for anything you need. And if that's one of them, if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, I don't have joy. I've, all I got is happiness. Help, can, will somebody pray with me? Yes, they will. Well, I'm not even connected to God at all. I, don't, you know, I need to like start from ground zero. They will help you with that too. And they will pray with you and, and tell you, this is, this is what it's like to be in, in God's family. They're here for you to do that as well. Y'all stand up with me. We're gonna, I'm gonna pray for everybody and then, we're gonna, then you're gonna have the chance to have somebody personally pray for you. Lord, I thank you for everybody in here. And Lord, we wanna choose joy. We want joy in our life. We want, uh, we want you in our circle and no matter what's going on in that circumstance, God, we wanna make sure we're focusing on what really matters and know where you're taking us. And I pray you help us to see that this week. Everything that we're experiencing today, from the things that may seem to be light to the things that may seem to be extremely serious, I pray that you lead us and that you guide us. I pray that you would bless everyone that's walked through the doors today. And I pray that this week we hear something special from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.